Expounded Universe, Season 11, Episode 7, Miss Dalla, If You're Natassi. The book, Jedi Search, by Kevin J. Anderson. The year, 1994. Chapters 18 through 20. With your hosts, Jeff and John. Let's go! Welcome back to Expounded Universe, the Star Wars Expanded Universe novel discussion podcast. As always, I am your host, the uh, irascible and cantankerous Jeff. Uh, joined as always, boy, that made me sound like I'm in the Phantom Toll Booth or some shit. <laughs> uh, anyway, joined as always by John. John, hello. Hello, I am rascible. Someone's rascaled this John. <laughs> John is very rascible and, I don't know, Tankerous? Yes, I'm so tankerous. <laughs> I don't know which part of that word is the prefix. Uh, is it is it can? Is it can tank? I can tank. I prefer to tank when I'm playing an MMO. That's my favorite role. Ah, uh, yes. I prefer to heal. Oh, yeah, really? Except in FF14 where it's boring and garbage. <laughs> it is, really, really is. But like, if you're playing, say, for example, uh, World of Warcraft, you would prefer to be healing? Oh, yeah. I find it uh, very zen and soothing. I get that. I understand. And, you know, I healed myself for quite a long time. But eventually, the one thing I can't do is DPS because you're just standing there getting your rotation right. And there is a measurable determination for if you got bored or not. Because people (laughs) look at the meters and be like, oh, shit, Jeff got bored. He can't be a DPS. And I'm like, you're right. I can't. I need to be a tank because every fight is a little different. And so I have to pay attention. Yeah. I mean, for me, any MMO that doesn't have access to a damage meter, I'm like, I can't be a DPS in here because that is the only thing keeping me interested is, oh, let's see if I can crank those numbers up. Yeah. And that's not enough for me. That's not I, uh, the the couple times I played uh, DPS when we were still playing uh, World of Warcraft was like the point where you could still have Peggle in the game. And I'd usually just be playing Peggle. Huh. I'd be like, uh, yeah, Frozen Throne, Cray, Peggle. But as a tank, it forces my attention. And it, or, and to this day, if I play an MMO, I just gravitate towards tank immediately. Yeah, well, there you go. You got to know what you like. I do. I know exactly what I like. And uh, the other thing I want to know is how you're doing. Uh, you know, given everything, I'm, I'm fine-ish. Are you gesticulating wildly at the world? Yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Given yeah, that of, our I, entire I kinda, state is on fire, yeah. I it, honestly, the fact that our entire state been, has been on fire for quite a while now has been terrifying. But at least it was keeping the heat down in neighborhoods that were far from it. And today, even that seems to have finally ended. Oh yeah, like the fact that we get smoke as a weather pattern on our little uh, weather updates, and then it's also like, hey. Uh, so everything is hazy and smoky. Also, it's 93 degrees out. Go fuck yourself. You don't get anything. Yeah, no, it's, it's not a great time. Uh, oh, geez. Yeah. I'm just looking at my forecast for the next five days and it's right back to like in the mid nineties. Eat a dick. Yep. Good times all around. Uh, Yeah. Well, we had to take a week off of this show uh, due to various medical complications that don't need to be gone into here, but they will definitely be gone into in the next Afterthought, because that's where we get personal. I don't know (laughs) if you knew that, John. That's where we get extremely unnecessarily personal. That's where we get personal and whiny. Mm Mm-hmm. Just whiny and personal nonstop. If you want to hear what's up with, like, our, I don't know, vast deference, that's where we get into it. We get way into our vast deference. Right up into it. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right up in that can of worm beans or whatever the hell that's supposed to look like. I forget the description. Hell yeah, we, we're we all up in it. You could call it a mm-hmm. vast deference with how much space is in there. <laughs> I'm going to show deference to that joke. Uh-huh. Uh, okay. We're so all clever right. here. Other people can we... make penis jokes, but not like us. No, well, no one else is making vast deference jokes, except for, like, Chris Onstad in 2005. <laughs> But, you know, what's he doing these days? Making artisanal soda blends? Fuck him. Okay, so uh, what we read, 
not going to get back into the book. Uh, 18 through 20 this week. I hope, given last time where I read the wrong chapters, I hope I read the right chapters. Indeed, 18 through 20 is the correct chapters. Hooray! I didn't make a horrible mistake again. I mean, I probably did, but it wasn't that one. Yeah, I was going to say, the podcast is young, so... (laughs) That's just ADHD life, though, John. That's... You go through life knowing you made some fucking mistake, and eventually, someone's going to tell you. <laughs> uh, that's, what, that's, that's why I have to do this instead of having a real job. I, you would not believe how terrified I am to go into a regular job. Yeah. Like, every day. I walk in, I sit down at the desk at the office, and I'm like, oh, God, what's it going to be? What did I forget to do? I forgot that I forgot to do it, so it's just going to come out of nowhere and punch me in the kidney. Uh, and that's why uh, your health is all fucked. Yeah, uh, sort of. I mean, technically, once again, we'll get into what's wrong with me on the afterthought. Way in detail. <laughs> Super detailed. We're going to get out all the doctor reports and everything. Mm-hmm. My disease has a tremendous number of syllables. <laughs> you got to get real excited when you know that it's got like three prefixes and I'm constantly forgetting the entire extent of it. Oh, yeah. That's the good stuff. Oh, and- and then when I told my when my uh, when my current general practitioner saw it on my chart, he was like, "The fuck is that?" So that that that's good. That's that's good to know. That's the good times. That's the best when you have this like eighty year old doctor and he's like, "Feo, Cro- did you make this up? Is this bullshit? Is this a millennial thing?" <laughs> yeah, he could, he's old enough to probably believe that a lot of modern like disease type stuff is fake. Like, I know that my dad is the kind of person who thinks chronic fatigue syndrome is a made-up joke. Ugh. But, uh, you know, what you gonna do, right? Not be my dad. That's a strong <laughs> recommend. <laughs> recommend, all of you out there. Don't do it. Don't be my dad. <laughs> Believe it when other people tell you they're in pain or they, they can't do shit. <laughs> Believe, Believe it. Believe them. Yeah. And then you can be feeling this. <laughs> all right. So, uh, <laughs> chapter 18... We might as well, unless you had some bullshit you wanted to contribute instead. No, I don't have any bullshit. You don't, you don't want to tell all, everybody what's up with Blazeball? You don't want to tell them about how Jessica Peanut Phone ate a telefrag or whatever the fuck? You know, every time you talk nowadays, it sounds like I've got Warnicke's aphasia. <laughs> the game is amazing, and you would enjoy everything about it if you actually gave it a chance, but you won't, and that's your fault. Hey, that's not true. I signed up. I joined the San Francisco Lovers. I just need an extra little push, and I'm reaching out, John. God damn, it's crazy how you can't tell what my calls for help sound like. <laughs> it sounds like, please don't talk to me about this. <laughs> it really, they kind of do. Okay, uh, chapter 18. It's it's Luke and Lando basically doing what your RPG party would do when they haven't got any better ideas, which is just bald face lying and making it all cute yeah they uh, Luke and Lan- go, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> they like the two of them god i still i know we have harped on this in other books but sending two of the most recognizable people in the galaxy to go do your dumb undercover bullshit is dumb as fuck you're like ah yes we're gonna send luke and lando and uh, Luke's just going to pretend to be some guy in a jumpsuit. And here's he's just here to look over your records. And you're like, no, what? Everyone knows who this guy is. I mean, consistently, they have said that no, people don't. That the galaxy's a big place. That even though Luke, yeah, is the hero of the Republic, who is currently the head of the Jedi Order and so on, word doesn't get out to the fringes. Like, Mandalorian is set 15 years after Return of the Jedi, and the concept of Jedi have to be explained to the main character like he's a baby. Mm, mm, Someone mm. has to be like, there is a race of sorcerers who have been our enemy in the past, but this is not our enemy. This is merely a member of the ancient race that we refer to as the Jedi. And he's like, what the fuck are those? So, I mean, I kind of get it. Luke's less concerning to me here, honestly, because, again... They're trying to infiltrate Morith Duel's mining operation on Kessel. He's less concerning to me than Lando, a figure who is specifically famous in mining administration. Oh, yeah. God, there's even a point where they are talking to Morith Duel, and Lando's like, well, I know a little something about mining operations myself. And I'm like, 
what the fuck are you doing, man? Like, if they didn't realize who you were, the second you start getting into it, they're like, oh, hey, wait a minute. Oh, really? Would you, uh, would you know any mining operations I may have heard of? Hmm? Yeah? Hmm? What about, uh, well, oh, I don't know. I, I did, uh, Bloud City on Grespin. That was me. Yeah, you may not have heard of that one. But no, he's, he's just basically being Lando with a made-up name. And by made-up name, I mean he just used Timo's name from five chapters ago for, as far as I can tell, no reason but cuteness. Oh, yeah. You'd think going into this, they'd be like, all right, we are, like, trying to be undercover. We don't want to start an incident when we do this, but we do want to find out if something happened to our ambassador. Like, this is a very delicate thing. You'd think you would... I don't know, forge some credentials ahead of time, but it just sort of sounds like he showed up and he was like, yeah, my name is uh, Timo, because that's the first name that came to mind. It's almost like this whole chapter is just players in in an RPG daring the DM to do anything about it. Like, I could just see Lando calling him up and be like, yeah, I'd like to talk to Morth Duel. Oh, who's this? Uh, Poopum is Q Spaghetti. Uh, that's fucking ridiculous yeah well i'm gonna roll persuasion aren't i oh look i rolled a 20 fuck you my character's name is poopamus q spaghetti get me morith duel on the phone (laughs) get me morith duel (laughs) because he's just smug about it and uh, again the the timo story is about two weeks old at this point in the storyline and is the story of a man who ran away from an arranged marriage with a princess and then rigged a massive global fra- uh, slime race only to be recaptured by a mysterious mining administrator stranger and uh, reunited with his queen. That's global news. Well, you know, it is global news on Slumgull or whatever. Uh, yeah, it's not um, galactic Gull, news. You never know. You don't know what what Morthul is up to. Why are they taking the risk? What if he turns out to be an avid fan of the blob races? Oh, yeah. He's always out there paying attention to new trends in blobs. Uh, how hard is it, though, to just make up a fucking Star Wars name? Uh, very, apparently. If you're just like, yeah, my name's Chuz Pozole. What about it? It's a fucking Star Wars name, right? Everybody totally agrees that Chuz Pozole is a Star Wars name. It's also a delicious soup. Let's keep going. Yeah, you can just be like, I'm, and look around your room and be like, uh, Chabak, uh, Doned. There we go. <laughs> P. Tear Griffin. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, goddamn. So, the, the upshot of what we're trying to get to here in as many words as possible for some reason is that these two have been sent along by Leia to investigate what happened to Han and Chewie, and they are doing it in the half-acidest way they can. Uh, I love it. There's like, hey, we got half a million credits that we want to invest in your dumb garbage, and you want to let us down to your planet? And they're like, well, sure, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Because Morithul is portrayed as basically like if a Tex Avery wolf was into money instead of Little Red Riding Hood. Because <laughs> he's just like, they've got credits. And then like his eyes bulge out of his head in, in dollar sign shapes. Yeah. So he ushers them down. And I mean, there's a point, literally there's a point where they're like, hey, by the way, we would love to invest in your glitter stem operation. Do you mind if our R2-D2 droid just digs around in your computer? We'll give you 5,000 credits. And he's like, money, 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 money. I was just like, wait, isn't he rich as fuck and incredibly paranoid? 5,000 credits is fucking nothing. What are we doing? Yeah. God. I keep looking at that going like, you own the entire glitter stem operation here. That has to be worth such a gigantic amount of money. And Glitterstim, this is the only place in the galaxy that Glitterstim can be harvested. It is the sole source of the world's, of the galaxy's best drug. And yet he's like, this is like if you tried to bribe Tony Montana with $3. Oh, yeah. No, it's, (laughs) it's so ridiculous to be like, ah, what is that, Jeff Bezos? I'll give you $10 if you let me go through your internet history. And him just being like, well, $10 is $10. <laughs> well, I did recently want to see a movie type film, but I've heard they're $15 now. We've entered the haggle phase. 
this is it's just bullshit to make it basically is just yet more uh more duel is a dumb idiot and for some reason so are luke and lando yeah now i mean at least the book does say that part of his reasoning here is he doesn't want to look like he's a bad businessman or whatever because they're like oh we want to go through your records just to make sure your business is being profitable and apparently duel is like oh well you know if i don't do this then it will seem like i'm not doing above board stuff but then again you make ridiculous money and you could just be like i'll get you a printout (laughs) exactly I'll, i'll just go get you a hollow fax or whatever the fuck and you could just read it up yours you're not plugging your fucking droid into my into my precious system yeah given how paranoid he has been this entire time you would think you'd be like <laughs> no and how easy it is because when he co- he capitulates and r2 plugs into the system r2 is immediately like okay uploading protocol will i get all the information i want and also it doesn't look like i did and that was fucking easy uh it took me three seconds done beepity boop beep boop it's no like, signs it, anyway <laughs> yeah if that's if that's all it takes, then uh, is this a standard business transaction? Like, presumably, everyone here should be completely above board, right? Like, Morithul is trying to play an above board businessman and not a criminal mastermind slug harvesting uh, rape doer. Uh, and and Lando's like, I've just got a bunch of money in my pockets from I don't know gambling. Yeah, let me invest it legit all style. And and then they're, when they're like, well, let's just do this part where the droid looks at your computer system presumably that's supposed to be upsold as normal business operations. Yeah, I feel like that isn't, especially given that, like, R2 is not a, like, a slicer droid. Like, this is just a fucking astromech droid, and it can hack into your shit and wreck everything immediately. And you'd think any given businessman would be like, ah, yes, this is my, you know... Uh, accountant droid it just needs to look at your records haha ha, just kidding it has a ton of hacking ability i really wanted more tool to be like that's an accountant droid uh yes aren't accountant droids normally protocol type like you know they're silver and they stand up and they can talk uh yeah mine's different uh really yours is different and uh you you say it's a, an accountant droid despite the fact that it is obviously an r2 unit meant to be attached to an x-wing yes <laughs> may i see inside it no. <laughs> well, Morith, you are an odd fellow, but here's five thousand credits. <laughs> anyway, there's no sign of them in the in the computer system. Uh so Lando instead presses to go on a tour of the facility. Yeah. And they get taken out to the site that uh Han and Chewie and Kip had sort of blasted out from when they were escaping the spider, and uh it turns out the big dead spider is there yeah this seems like a bad tour design this would be like if the first place that the jeeps went in jurassic park was that big like container thing where the velociraptor ripped that dude's arm off at the beginning of the movie if they were like and here's a spot where the very first murder by a dinosaur was done a man's arm was brutally ripped from his arm by hand by a velociraptor by the way what do you think of my park so far are you ready to invest (laughs) yeah you'd think they'd be like oh yeah you want to see our operations here let me take you to one of our standard operating mines instead of like well here's a site where uh a few of my high-ranking officials died and a giant monster showed up uh i mean feeling good about this eh? (laughs) yeah the uh the basic explanation that morithul has is almost believable because it's like oh i might as well take them down to that tunnel where the spider thing got killed because we had to turn the lights on in there anyway so they could see around and it won't ruin any spice because it's already ruined so who cares but it's still it's like oh what's your operation is it stable oh yeah my second and third in command were murdered by a monster no one had ever seen before yesterday you want to see its corpse (laughs) it's real spooky (laughs) we're pretty sure it makes the spice so we can't control them yeah we have monsters that make our drugs down here sometimes they murder us how about that money though (laughs) how about another five thousand credits i let you poke it with a stick Uh, that's, and then, uh, there is a, a a guard who's down there with them, keeping uh, tabs on everything. 
And Duel makes the the fool mistake of asking the guard about casualty lists and so on because Luke's interested. So he's like, hey, so I heard this thing has been uh, murdering a lot of people. What's the deal? And the guard's like, oh, not that many people. It took out like three, maybe five people in the past week or so. Plus there's some people unaccounted for, like those two prisoners that were alongside that big Wookiee. Uh, you got amateur hour, <laughs> a- amateur hour, top to bottom. Oh yeah. Morth duel is if nothing else, at least very incompetent at being an <laughs> evil mastermind. Yeah. He like, th- they basically describe him as shooting a look at the guard. Like, God damn it. You idiot. Could he just say a different big animal species? Say it was a Trandoshan. God damn you. Or just say. We have three prisoners unaccounted for. There is no need to mention any sort of species. <laughs> and that's more or less where this chapter ends, is just uh, they're all still hanging out in this cave, and they know that Han was here, but where the hell is he now? He must have escaped. Could he have gone to the Maw? Yeah, I mean, Luke spends a lot of time being like, oh, I'm reaching out with my Jedi senses, and I feel like he should be more appalled than he is, given that he is on a planet full of forced slave labor and, like, an entire rape room and mm-hmm. just the absolute worst possible atrocities you could imagine. And he's like, huh, people seem sad here. Anyway, no sign of my friend. Bye. Big sip of Lipton iced tea for me on all those subjects. <laughs> I have to assume that Luke lives through his life just not using the Force unless it would be specifically beneficial, because otherwise he'd get down to this planet, and you're right, he'd be like, oh shit, uh, Lando, this planet has a rape dungeon on it. Do you think we get, do we have like five minutes so we just lightsaber that problem? Because that's, that's a lightsaber-worthy problem. Like, I get that we're supposed to be, I don't know, undercover or something, but can I kill this guy? Because like, I Jedi'd <laughs> him, and he's the biggest piece of shit. Like, I just reached around in his dome, and oh, sure enough, he did capture Han, and he's very scared of us. (laughs) Like, it's so weird that even in this book, you're like, oh, yeah, Luke has been shown from the very beginning to be like, oh, yeah, I've got the ability to reach into your mind, and because I can do that, that's the only reason we can find the little Jedi nub in people. But Mm -hmm. when he gets down here, he's like, ah, here is the person who might be lying to us. No need for me to go poking around in there, though. I wonder if he just has the fourth wall breaking awareness that this is a Lando chapter, and so he just stays out of it. Yeah, he's like, oh, yeah, Lando wants to do some stuff, so, you know, sure, let's let him. <laughs> Look, did you see Lando at the beginning of this book? He was like half homeless. The dude needs a win. <laughs> Give him the W. <laughs> All right. Meanwhile, chapter 19, indeed, Han is in the Maw, and he is being interrogated harshly by one Admiral Dalla. Yeah, Dalla is uh, real fucked up over this, which is, you know, good, considering apparently they've been in here for like, I don't know, what, 17 years, something like that? Nine. They've nine. been in here nine years since the uh, the last missive they received. It's been longer than nine years since... I'm sorry. We sh- Let's set this up correctly. They've been in here for nine years. Uh, that means that the last instruction they got from Tarkin was nine years ago. Uh, but the, the second Death Star went down about, I think, six years ago. Okay. So it so has the- been about, you know, five to six years since... The tipping point. Yeah, but they don't even know about that. The last time they talked to anybody was Tarkin, which means that they have had no contact with the Empire since Death Star 1. And as far as they know from this chapter, they don't even know that the Death Star, like, got fully operational and used. Like, they sent out the plans, and Tarkin took... Uh, the main, uh, like, engineer scientist guy behind it. But, Bevel Emilisk. Yeah, yeah. Bevel Emilisk. But they didn't, like, send back anything. So they don't know. They've just been like, all right, well, I guess we keep fucking making weird super weapons then. Well, we get the full story of what they're doing in here in a minute. It starts with the interrogation of Han, who, for the most part, is pretty gleeful to tell these imps the story, because the story is, oh, look, a bunch of... Like, uh, didn't notice the war was over survivors. You fucks lost. 
There's a new Republic now. We blew up two of your shitty Death Stars. Every single person you ever reported to is dead. It's and weird to me like, that when they're doing the interrogation, he resists at all. Because, like, they have a little torture device that is, it just sort of spasms your muscles uncontrollably. And they yeah. can center it wherever they want. And it'll just absolutely wreck your day. But... For some reason, Han's like, I'm not going to tell you anything. Uh, torture me. And then eventually I mean, he's I... like, oh, yeah, uh, you lost and we won and your shit sucks and we blew it up twice. And you're like, why wouldn't you just tell them that? I mean, I guess it's just because Han's got a hate in the Imperial streak in him. Uh, I mean, we know he's ex-Imperial himself. That's what the pants stripe is all about. Uh, but but uh, yeah, I think it's just literally him being like, fuck the M's. I'm not telling you idiots shit. But, you know, ultimately, the news he wants to give them is just, ha you suck. We killed everybody. So yeah, I would Dalla, feel like that would be immediate. Like, they wouldn't even start asking me questions, and I'd be like, ha you know what you idiots missed? <laughs> oh, boy, I can't wait. I, 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 here, get a whole bunch of you guys in the room. I want a lot. I'll see a lot of faces. <laughs> I want everyone to, to look at uh, what's going on here, because it's going to be priceless. Get your cameras ready. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that'd be great. Uh, but this is I'm going to say that this scene when the torture is ending is is more or less the only moment in this this chapter where I enjoyed Admiral Dalla because she's like, I believe him. Uh, it would explain a lot. It explains why I haven't heard from Tarkin in nine years. It explains why there's been no missives in or out in all this time. This shit makes sense. It has to be correct. It has to be real. Instead you know, of also, I sneeringly. I, no, it's like I looked in his eyes and was like, yeah, no, he's. He's telling the truth. Like, I'm going to send in, obviously, another torture droid to make sure, because I'm efficient. Mm -hmm. But, like, no, I'm pretty sure he's telling the truth. So, you know, I guess fuck us, huh? Yeah, and, and to her credit, she doesn't belie any kind of outward, like, reaction to that. She doesn't get weak in the uh, weak about it or, or rage or anything like that. She just kind of goes, hmm, okay, well, meet this torture droid. Goodbye. And she leaves. And that is the moment at which she stops being a cool character and turns into a horrible parody character for the rest of the chapter. Because oh. here's what she does. She goes back to her room where this is my favorite that way to introduce a new character to the Star Wars canon. Have them examine themselves in a pair of full length mirrors so you can really get a sense of what they look like. Oh, yeah. Especially when they're like, you know, you got older, but you're still one tight piece of ass, Admiral Dalla. <laughs> Mwah. Also, you bounce did you credit off that posterior? Did you know what color my hair is? Because uh, we're going to tell you mm, a lot. Yeah, her hair color is her defining characteristic, more or less. And it shows up every time she does forever. Uh, but she basically we get the same thing we get from Shizor. Like, this is basically distaff Shizor. I thought I was looking for something else, but it's her being like, I'm sexy, even though I'm old, because I keep that shit tight. I have absolute perfect control over myself at all times, and yet I maintain rigorous discipline. 100% perfect uniform, no creases anywhere, because I give a shit, and I don't allow myself any privileges at all. That said, I have let my hair grow out really long. Privileges of command, I guess. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Yeah, it's real weird to juxtapose, like, I am rigidly adhering to everything I have learned from the Academy, except I don't like when they cut my hair, so now it's long. Yeah, that was weird. That was literally, like, I'm making it sound like that's the way the book describes it sarcastically, but no, that actually is the way it comes across. I have no imperfections, no flaws. I am the model of an Imperial, sol imperial Soldier, but I let my hair grow long because I want to. Because I think it looks cute. You're like, <laughs> okay. And this, after we're done establishing that she is a woman in her like early 40s with uh, with endlessly long, butt-length, copper-red, fiery, glowing, curly, perfect Irish woman hair, uh, she basically has Merida's haircut from Brave. Uh, <laughs> we, we, we can finally get into hearing about her backstory, which is dire. Which, God, she got into a relationship, you know, about, what, 12, 15 years ago with Tarkin, mm -hmm. which is mm -hmm. just grody as hell. 
basically, she was an Imperial officer in the Cadet Academy, uh, but was constantly passed over for every possible promotion because it's well known that the Emperor has a strong prejudice against women. Sure. Um, so every time she was up, even though she was obviously the superior candidate in all situations, she'd get passed over and watch as some idiot got the job and died in her stead. So she pulled a fucking Ender's Game and started a secret blog of good ideas like Valentine and Peter did. And that drew the attention of uh, of Tarkin, who flies down to the planet. He's like, who's this smart person on this planet I keep noticing in the forums and message boards? It's a woman? I shall claim her as my own. And indeed, we shall become lovers. Yeah, it's like, oh, we we quickly became lovers. And I'm like, you are 25 and he's like... 78 that's woof <laughs> yeah that's not great but also the fact that they that the author here couldn't conceive of these two having a work relationship no it's not like tarkin found me and we immediately gained a lot of mutual respect for i was brilliant but he was ruthless and you know i had much to learn about tactics from him even as i advised him in various things you're like oh no it's Ah, yes, Tarkin came down, and I'm a sexy lady with red hair. Beautiful, red, awesome hair. That's my thing, Kevin J. Anderson. (laughs) And I was just looking for some sort of nice, hatchet-faced, angular, balding creep show of a daddy type. I just really wanted to get down and dirty with, uh, I don't know, a scarecrow that is terrifying. Yeah, do you have any salt and pepper zombies? That's my jam. <laughs> uh. So so she obviously takes him as a lover. Uh, he rewards her by giving her basically a fleet. She has four Star Destroyers under her command, plus a number of, like, everything that goes into supporting them, and then installs her in the Maw at the center point of it uh, to become his secret weapons facility depot where super weapons are developed. And we're going to learn more about that in future chapters, but for now we don't get much other than that she's here and she's in charge and it's been nine years and it's been really hard to maintain discipline. Well, yeah, there's a like super think tank that uh, Tarkin put together here. That's like, I want to take all the best scientists and they're going to come up with the very best of, you know, ultra super weapons and then they'll pass it on to me and i will take full credit and the emperor will never question where this comes from because if there's one thing we know about the emperor he'll just take whatever you give him at face value and never question it (laughs) that sounds right what do you say bevel emelisk invented it yeah why why the fuck not have a tequiza (laughs) i hope you didn't bring any broads with you you know what really pisses me off specifically about the Emperor having a strong prejudice against women thing? Is that, actually, what this does, Dala completes the trifecta of every major Imperial uh, leader figure having a secret woman. Every mm-hmm. single one of them does. Tarkin had uh, Tarkin had Dala, uh, Vader had uh, Mara Jade, and uh, Ferrer- the Ferrario, Rilau. And the Emperor had Isan Isard, the the Imperial Director of Intelligence who's in charge of the Lusankia Super Prison. He had one of these. He had his own Admiral Dalla. Uh, I think this is definitely one of those things where someone heard through the grapevine that someone else hated this, and then everyone was like, well, I guess we just we can't have ladies because the Emperor hates it, and the Emperor's like, man, nobody in the Empire gets, like, ladies anything. I think my entire empire is misogynistic. Ah, well, I guess if I want to promote a lady, I'll have to do it in secret, because otherwise everyone will hate her. If I promote any ladies, then they'll make me promote an alien. And I already did that fucking Thrawn thing. I'm not doing that shit again. (laughs) So... So, yeah, it's just amusing to me that we, we've hit a point in Star Wars where the understood bias of the Emperor against women is well understood and known throughout the Empire. And yet every single it's just an unspoken rule that every single one of these uh, Imperial higher ups has a secret woman behind the throne. And you know what? At least the Emperor didn't fuck his. Ah! I There's mean, Vader no- didn't fuck his, to be fair. <laughs> it's Vader. No, no. It, well, I mean, Vader, he matches the trope because he's got a woman working for him, but it's Mara Jade and she's a Jedi and it makes sense. He doesn't make her in charge of anything other than the hunt for Skywalker. Hmm. Uh, the the other two are like, 
they're like, okay, well, I definitely want to have a secret girlfriend. Uh, I'm into redheads and I'm into blondes, so we'll take care of that part. And then it doesn't make sense for me to just keep her in my house, so I guess I'll give her a Star Destroyer. Hey, baby, I heard you like Star Destroyers. You want four of them? That's right. Daddy Tarkin takes care. Yeah, because Isard gets one Star Destroyer, but it's a super. She gets the first super built after the Executor. So all of them get a special pre- a special present, and it's uh, it's just amusing that we can't just have women in the Empire that are badass without them having to be secret badasses that got there via, oh, let's just say having big tits. <laughs> it's also it's weird di- to me. It's disheartening. As, uh, you know, aside from this, the Star Destroyers that Dala has are the Manticore, the Basilisk, the Hydra, and the Gorgon, and I'm like, don't do that. This is Star Wars. Those don't exist. <laughs> oh, please. In the next chapter, we're going to have a spot where 3PO mentions hors d'oeuvres out loud, indicating that one of the six million languages he speaks is French. Yeah. You could just say appetizers. You, you could, could just do that. You could do that, <laughs> but no. These are whores devours. Yeah, they're horse stuvers. We're all up to speed on what they are. They're... Everyone in Star Wars fucking loves eating horse stuvers. Oh, yeah. Well, they're from Devourin. <laughs> That would be amazing if hors d'oeuvres meant chunks of devouring. Yeah, look, you gotta take these horse and devour him. Huh? Horse devours. <laughs> the devouring, having spent his entire planetary life being a meat eater, means that he himself is made of delicious planet meat. Mmm, planet meat. <laughs> Welcome to planet meat. This is one of my ideas, the Emperor. Hi, how you doing? Look, here, there's, th- there's three rules on planet meat. No shirt, no shoes, and no pants. Those are the three rules. How you, how you doing? You, you know, have a tequila. Uh, God damn it. <laughs> the Emperor. <laughs> oh, God. This is hilarious that that basically we have the, the disciple of Tarkin here. Uh, now, she resolves that this is actually a good thing, that learning that the Empire has been destroyed is more or less an excuse for her to finally leave the fucking Maw installation. Uh, and so she gets all set up to go let the scientists who work under her at the Maw installation itself know what's going on and get everything on a war footing. Yes, and of course the uh, she does head this by scientist... marching on down coppery silk, gold fire hair trailing behind her because we can't not mention that uh, to the shuttle bay where she briefly considers taking the crappy shuttle that uh, Han arrived in because she thinks it'll just shock the scientists. Which is weird, because when she gets there, none of them know or care. Yeah, at least she doesn't do it. Because, again, I'm I'm seeing a lot of Shizor parallels here, where she's like, I'm rigorously disciplined, but I allow myself every possible treat. <laughs> but like, So at least she doesn't do it. The, the head scientist here, in another one of those uh, wonderful Star Wars tropes, is like, oh, it's a, it's a Twi'lek, because we also have to establish that uh, every single time one of these people in charge is like, I hate aliens, except for my super secret special ones. Yeah, I think there's supposed to be a running theme in this this book that I, I don't remember off the top of my head, that Tarkin wasn't as racist as the Emperor was, and so he would r- routinely recruit like super smart aliens and so on and put them in positions of secret power just so she- he could look better. Well, yeah, because the whole thing is... Tarkin doesn't give a shit who you are. He's just like, are you good at your job and can I take credit for it? Great. Yeah. Now, I think that may have been retconned since the, this book to the point where, oh, no, Tarkin was the biggest racist of all of them. But uh, but I'm not sure. Um, but, yeah, this is Tol Sivron that she goes down to meet. Uh, also establishing another standard Star Wars media trope that if you have a male Twi'lek, they've got to be a corpulent turd. And if you have a female Twi'lek, they have to be a sex haver. Yeah, if you're a male Twi'lek, then you're basically, like, a horrible little goblin with head tentacles that's like... Yeah, and this is... Basically, the Twi'lek exist at the exact twilight midpoint between uh, Gross Blob and Sex Haver. Oh, yeah. They're the uh, the center point. Yeah, there was a tipping point where they went full Sex Haver eventually... But until then, it was like, oh, no, it was very much divided along gender lines, where if you were a guy, you're like, oh, well, you got shark teeth and you're 
Uh, you look slimy. Turkey gobbles on your neck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think Bib Fortuna is supposed to be like a special case. Like, there's supposed to be something fucking wrong with him with his sharp vampire goblin teeth and his turkey gobble neck chunks. Like, I, I don't. But the second male Twi'lek you ever see is like a senator, and he looks like he weighs a thousand pounds. Yeah. There's just something going on, I guess. So all the male Twi'leks in the movies, at least, are like these gross monsters, and all the female ones are like, hey, how you doing? You want to have sex with a lady with head tentacles? Yeah, I've seen Mass Effect too. I know what you're into. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I know. I gotta warn you, my nipples are prehensile. Okay, I'm not sure if I should be turned on by that or not. Oh, you should. You should. It's supposed to be a turn on. Uh, oh, you okay, should, gonna... though. <laughs> you should be turned on if one of them is. <laughs> but just the one. Uh, yeah, but you're right. They've changed this since then. Nowadays, all Twi'leks are glorious sex havers. Yeah. But this is, you know, a scientist. So not only is he a male Twi'lek, so he's got to be all disgusting, but he's also like every nerd thing. He's like, oh, he's got glasses and he's messy and he's got little toys that he plays with when he's not, <laughs> you know, putting off his duties. And you're like, okay, I get it. Yeah, That's this fine. is interesting because the whole the concept that you're gathering is, okay, we're seeing Tarkin's super secret installation. This is the place that Tarkin built for his like collection of super smart alien geniuses to build him crazy super weapons. And so he staffed it himself. And what did he staff it with? I don't know, like a, a fat, lazy administrator who insists on having toy models brought to him all the time, I guess. This is like how Hammond hired Nedry. Yeah. You're like, wait a minute. Why did you put a guy in charge like even if he's brilliant don't put this guy in charge he's clearly a lazy idiot like yeah he just wants to play with his toys he's basically got fucking gundams going on where he's like bring me the the little kits for your new invention i want to put them together and play yeah like and if you're the empire you have the resources and tools to spare to get a couple guys who are better than this guy it's the exact ham and nedry dynamic where where uh, you look at Nedry and you're like, hey, uh, Hammond, why did you hire this money-grubbing fat turd who, even if he's a good computer programmer, doesn't seem worth it? Uh, and also, why did you budget $600 for computers? <laughs> you just, just do this right, and you won't have a weird trader who gets eaten by Dilophosaurus. Yeah, you should also maybe have more than one IT guy on the island, maybe. Yeah, same thing in the Maw. Uh, but she just goes in there and she's like, hi, Toll, Toll Sivron, there's news. We're going to go out and start a fucking war with our four Star Destroyers. Uh, you know, I know they recently, did the the, uh, the story I've heard includes them defeating a swarm of like 130 of them, but we're going to take four. Yeah, it's so weird because we just get done with her like, oh, I believe Han Solo and everything that he told me in that uh, not only did they blow up two different Death Stars, but they've also had, like, the ability to put down several different warlords with massive amounts of armies, and then also a giant alien-like invasion that they then put down with the help of some uh, Empire remnant stuff, and then also the Emperor came back to life and they killed him again, and at that point you go, I have four Star Destroyers and a super weapon, maybe... Maybe I shouldn't be like, let's go get in a dick-kicking contest with the rest of the galaxy. I mean, to be fair, the super weapon that she has is the Sun Crusher, which I don't feel like we need to save it as a spoiler. The Sun Crusher is tiny, uh, blows up suns, and is 100% indestructible. It's uh, That's its trick. It's definitely a seven-year-old's thing for Star Wars. Mm-hmm. But the fact that it's completely indestructible makes it a perfectly fine weapon to go fuck up the rebellion with, because you'd be like, fuck it, I'm going to send one guy out there to kill everyone. But that's not her plan. Her plan is to take all four Star Destroyers out. Yeah. And the other problem is, whoever you put in the Sun Crusher, you have to have complete faith in, because otherwise you're like, here, have a super weapon that no one can challenge you in. Uh... If you turn against me, there's nothing I can do. Yeah, the the best thing you could possibly do is give some put the person in there who's got like a bomb in their neck or something. Yeah, it's uh, it's weird that they would be the like, yeah, we made a, a thing and it's totally indestructible and you can't do anything to it and we don't even have an off button. 
Yeah, the Sun Crusher turns into a legitimate problem after these books because they can't figure out how to get rid of the fucking thing. Like, post these books, they dump it into the center of a sun, and then later Lando goes and gets it because he's running a sun mining operation. Uh. So this this stupid turd of a ship design is going to be an ongoing problem going forward. But right now, we don't even know about it, other than that uh, she's like, hey, get the Sun Crusher ready for uh, for war. And Severon's like, no, we can't. It's not ready for war. And she, she basically is, you've had two years of just checking the paint on the fucking thing. It's ready. We're doing this. Uh, so weird. It's so weird mm-hmm. to me that that's what you would decide to do. I, yeah, as opposed to taking some time to consider her options even a little bit, you mean? Yeah. She's like, oh, I just found out that uh, everything I believed in has been crushed, and the thing that I have devoted my entire life to is gone. You know what? Fuck it. Let's just go to war and definitely get her- everything except for the Sun Crusher destroyed, since it can't be. And what are her post-war plans at the moment? The book doesn't go into that, and I'm very curious. If she succeeds in putting down the upstart New Republic, which currently occupies more than half the galaxy, what's she going to do? Well, it's time to start the new empire. (laughs) Yeah, every reason that she had to give a shit has died. So this is a very unusual, a lot more information is needed, basically. But speaking of people who can't let go of the Empire, it's time to go check in with Princess Leia in Chapter 20. Yes, indeed. It's and time she for just can't let Kadri- go of that Empire. That Yes, she loves it. The, <laughs> the Caradin uh, ambassador is showing up, and uh, it's, you know, another little asshole guy, just like Morth Duel, only we aren't sure that he's as much of a total dickwad. Yeah, I think one of the things I'm starting to notice that Anderson tends to do more than some of the other authors, but not all. I mean, there's other ones who do it, is if he wants a a, a person to be a piece of shit in some way, he'll design a whole species of piece of shit aliens. Oh, yeah. He's like, what's this? Oh, these are the assholians, and uh, they, as an entire species, don't like you and are rude. That's their whole trait. You're only ever going to meet the one Rybet, but boy, is it is its uh, characteristic sure qualified to make him seem like a real piece of crap? Mm, like, mm. oh, what's what's a Rybet? Oh, they're gross little frogs, and they suck, and their their means of reproduction is gross and stupid, and they they're all paranoid and mean, and they're liars. And it's like, why do they all need to be that? Why can't just Morth Duel be a shitty one? Yeah, it's <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> Star Wars, stop it. Yeah, and then and then uh, this Kareen guy is the same thing, because Fergan is like, what are these? Oh, they're like fucking featherless, dumpy little parakeet men who were all officious and pumped up and shitty. And yeah. they're all like this. And the only reason he has afforded anything is because the planet has a great military academy, which seems like who gives a fuck, right? <laughs> Yeah, Corito was super important to the Empire. It's where their major officer academy and flight training school was, uh, to the point where every planet in the Corita system is it was was Imperial stuff. Whether it was shipyards or defense or training or housing, the the this this one star system went all in for the Empire. Yeah, and it's it's just weird to me that they'd be like, ah, yes, an entire little system that is one thousand percent behind the Empire, and we really got to try our best to woo them. And like, why? What do they have that you give a crap about? Because <laughs> if even if right now they're like, ooh, but they still have, you know, some stormtroopers or whatever that they've been training because they had them already there at their academy. You're like, yeah, but the Empire is gone. It's not exactly like you've got a whole bunch of people like, Oh boy, I'm from whatever the fuck in the galaxy, and it's time for me to sign up. I'm going to go to Karita and become a stormtrooper for no good goddamn reason. I mean, I kind of get why they need to get Karita under grips, because basically it's several planets of Imperial crap that was not murdered when the Empire fell, which means that it's self-sustaining. Like, there's enough stormtroopers there to make more stormtroopers. There's a lot of banging going on. Which means that what what they effectively leave in position if they don't deal with Karita is a warlord factory. Yeah, but I don't uh, think there is because it's not like they want any ladies to be part of their stormtrooper academy. 
I think it's big enough. I mean, we're talking, it's, it, you could probably get a small army grow, going on Earth and have it be self-sustaining. And this is like 11 planets. So it, it kind of makes sense to me that they got to get this shit under heel. But I feel like even dealing with uh, Fergan is completely not worth it. Because he's obviously got his heart on his sleeve about what all this is. Oh, yeah. Because like, mo- mo- I told you right up front, I don't care about you. I'm loyal to the Empire. And I don't want anything to do with you. And they're like... Yeah, but maybe if you come over and look at this botanical garden, you're like, what? Yeah, he's like, yeah, the Empire built that botanical garden. It's an Imperial botanical garden. By the way, did I mention fuck you? And eventually, I think the problem is that Leia and Mon Mothma are trying too hard to be diplomatic with this little shit. And the right thing to do would be like, all right, I guess we're moving to plan B. You head on back to Karita and get used to not having any imports because we're going to blockade you. Yeah, it's weird. And I thought that's what was going to happen because... When he shows up and he's like, oh, I won't accept anything from you to eat or drink because you might poison me and I have to check everything for assassins and I'm just going to be a big asshole about everything. But he has a meeting with Mon Mothma where she's like, all right, let me show you a star chart. Oh, that's uh, fucking great. That's my favorite part of this chapter. Here's here's everybody that's part of the New Republic. Giant swath. Here's everybody that's not pledged but is favorable towards us and not favorable towards the Empire. Another giant swath. Here's everything that's the Empire. Tiny little red blob. So... Yeah, and then <laughs> he ju- he's just going all QAnon about this, because he's just like, anyone could paint maps and shit to look green. And they're like, uh, yeah, but that's all backed up by actual... I mean, you could see the numbers if you want. Anyone could fiddle with numbers to make them look good. Yeah, why don't okay, you just but- talk to all of the ambassadors from those planets, because they will tell you also, yes, no, go fuck yourself. We aren't behind anyone the can- Empire. Anyone can train false flag actors to act like they're ambassadors from interesting planets. <laughs> so he's just doing that. He's Yeah. Take me to your planet's comet pizza. I mean to shoot up their pedophile ring. Uh, and I really He's- thought that at this point she would be like, okay, but no, you, you're not getting it. Look at the giant blobs for us. Mm-hmm. Look at the tiny one of you. If you don't join us, you get nothing. <laughs> Good day, sir. You yeah, stole you're gonna fizzy lifting drink. <laughs> you're going to sit out there in your, in your little uh academy space where there's a fucking picture of the empire on your moon for some reason and you're gonna you're gonna get all puffed up and self-defensive and then nothing will ever change we're going to turn you into cuba yeah you're just going to be like hey you know what it sucks here you've got a whole bunch of guys that can train but then nowhere to go and nothing to do but this whole chapter is just this. It's just uh, Leia's like, hi, Ambassador. Uh, it's nice to meet you. And, and here's the thing that bothers me the most about this chapter. Leia knows what she's getting into. She knows that she, she's talked to this guy over the phone before. She's fully aware that he is a hostile presence. He does not want to be a part of any of this. And yet every time he talks to her, she gets personally offended again. And all I can think is, fucking Leia, find a different job in the New Republic. <laughs> You are I know not a everyone's very good blowing ambassador. smoke up your ass about this ambassador thing, but uh, maybe, maybe anything else. Yeah, because the moment he gets down off the ship, he's like, I would like to take a tour of the Imperial Palace, please. And she's like, oh, that's cute. But that wasn't what we planned for you, you little nobody from nowhere. And he's like, nevertheless, you will arrange it. And, and her response in her head is to be like, this puffed up piece of, I'm, oh, I can't believe how angry I am. I want to tear him apart with my mind. And it's like, you can't do that. You're the lead ambassador to this guy. You knew what this was going to be. Yeah, you should have met him and been like, yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, no, I get it. <laughs> be like, ah, like, we, you're trying to poison us. Yeah, sure. Great. <laughs> yeah, basically she needs to treat him the way service employees at a Target work. Like, I don't, know, I don't know if you've ever had that job where you have to work the service desk at some retail place where you have to deal with returns. Oh, yeah. And when and when they come in and they're like all kinds of pissed off, is it your job to match them in kind and show them how wrong they are? Yeah, you don't have someone come back and be like, I'd like to return this telephone. You're like, that telephone was obviously bought 20 years ago. Yeah, but it doesn't work anymore. All right. <laughs> yeah, she needs to go service worker on this. And, and I know how much it sucks because I've had that job. And, and, be, and when he comes in, he's like, I want to see the Imperial Palace because I'm an Empire guy. She has to just be like, okay, and just take him there. And that's the best she can hope for. 
that or you know if you're gonna be a dick about it go full like no you can't do that and he's like well i demand it yeah well you can't <laughs> That's all right well let me fine. show you where the bus station is grabby <laughs> yeah it's be like cool you can get back on your ship we don't care yeah that would be pretty great if her full if her absolute response was stonewalling instead of caving immediately but being mad about it yeah She's like, oh, that's I'm so angry, response. but I'm going to do everything you say. And you're like, ugh, okay. Yeah. If her response, if you'd been like, you shall arrange me a tour of the Imperial Palace. And she was like, uh, there are tours hourly. Why don't you just go over there your fucking self and do it? And, and just watch him sputter. That would work. Uh, but yes, the final attempt to try and woo this ambassador is at a botanical garden where Leia is taking the twins and... For some reason, she's like, oh, well, you know, I'm going to take my kids and uh, I'm going to take 3PO because, you know, even if I have to go do some ambassadorial stuff, 3PO can handle them. I'm like, ah, yes, 3PO, known for his ability to, I don't know, handle fast moving humans. (laughs) Yeah, notably, she brings them specifically so they can see the botanical gardens. Bring them tomorrow, Leia. Yeah. Quit bringing your kids up. Why did you bring them to the top of a skyscraper and then to this? Yeah, she's like, Leia. oh, I'm so angry because this asshole has taken up all my day and I didn't get to see my kids at all today. You're like, oh, okay, but maybe don't take them here to this. Or if you do, spend the time with them because you're like, oh, I didn't get to spend any time with them. Anyway, you can go run around in the dangerous man-eating plants with 3PO. Mama's got work to do. Right. This this changes nothing. This feels ridiculous. If you're going to use 3PO as your only babysitter, which, first of all, why are you doing that? You are in charge of the fucking New Republic. Get a real babysitter. Yeah, I get it. You know 3PO. That's, that's great. But uh, you can get any human with actual training. The human? Nothing. She's in charge of the fucking Nogri. You could have a couple of those just standing in there and being like, the children shall remain at their stations. Yeah. Go they'd be like, oh, we'll run away. And then the second they run away, they just run into a Nogri who looks down and goes, no. Yeah, you're staying in here. Note that I have sharp, pointy teeth. <laughs> like, what are we doing? I, I get that it's economy of character, but 3PO is laughably useless. And also bringing them here tonight is a bad idea. Yeah, they are like, too. Ooh. A powder keg of an ambassadorial situation. Better bring these two-year-olds and not chaperone them. I have a two-year-old. If I had to go to a state function, I would do everything in my power to find somewhere else for her to be. Yeah, She's no. not going to miss it. <laughs> yeah, it's not like, ah, a two-year-old. This will be a thing you will never remember and not care about, but could possibly fuck me for decades. Mm, yeah, let's do it. Along. Not on the off chance that you'll get anything out of it, but definitely on the off chance that you'll ruin it. (laughs) It's not your fault. You're a wonderful little person when you're in your fucking house. Also, as I mentioned before, of of course they immediately run off and go start, you know, being two-year-olds and 3PO can't stop them. But this is apparently a place where they're like, oh, we've got, like a carnivorous plant section that you could just run into with no guardrails. We've got an entire area that's like, oh, here's a cactus that swings spike arms around. And Mm -hmm. you'd think maybe that they would either put up some precautions and be like, yeah, there's force fields around these so people don't run in there like an idiot. Or you'd be like, yeah, you aren't allowed to bring children in here because OSHA doesn't exist and one of these plants could easily eat a toddler. Welcome to the Poison Ivy Memorial Botanical Gardens. Every plant in here is alive and carnivorous. Oh, are they behind railings? Of course not. That would be cruel. Just remember, there are no paths. Just walk among them. Now, obviously, because it's fucking Jason and Jaina, uh, I mean, I know that these two, at least one of them, comes to a horribly tragic end, but in the beginning, they are infuriating because they are invincible godchildren. And so they just immediately run into the middle of a man-eating cactus and just sit in there happy because 3PO can't get at them. Yeah, he's like, oh no, they've done the dumbest thing possible here, which is stick hors d'oeuvres on a cactus because it's got spikes, you see, and also it waves its arms around. And that's how we want to serve food to people that come to our function is trying to <laughs> grab it off of a flailing spike ball and... 
that that's a good idea we had. And that's how development on a Mingo began. Uh, yeah, and so the kids are just like, they've run off to the corner of this place by themselves. They've hidden in the center of a deadly plant because, of course, they are in no danger whatsoever. I, I, I believe it's Jason who does plants. Well, he does aminals. I think he does living things. Because we haven't really fully explored Jason Solo. We've only seen him a little bit. But eventually he becomes the master of Yuzhen Vong technology, which isn't quite plants or animals. He just does living things. Yeah. But obviously the two of them are just irritatingly invincible. They're off on their own little comedy adventure. Meanwhile, Fergan is walking around with double-wielded hip flasks. Uh, Yeah, because, you know, he's not going to get anything food or drink from them because he's like you might poison me so i've got Mm -hmm. a couple of hip flasks for drinks one of which is specifically my like insult drink yeah so basically what happens in this chapter is he walks around serving himself thick soapy looking goop from what from his right hip flask and then at one point in the middle of the evening uh after thoroughly insulting Mon Mothma and Leia as much as he, I guess, thinks he can get away with. He just demands everyone in the room's attention and gives himself a drink from his left hip flask and then throws it in Mon Mothma's face. Yeah, he's like, attention, everyone, attention. I have something to say uh, on behalf of Carida. Splash. (laughs) Uh, Deuces, bitches, I'm out. Now, I I don't have to tell you that we've encountered the after effects of this move in in books that we've read before. That, that this is some sort of super nanite poison and it gets Mon Mothma really fucking sick. Yeah, but also, you would think, he's like, great, and now we're leaving. All right, bodyguards, let's go. You'd be like, no, you're under arrest. Yeah, exactly. They, they're all just like, don't worry. If a drink gets thrown in our face, it's the least of our problems. It's fine. Let's just roll over because, after all, we're in charge of the New Republic. What could we possibly do? Neither of us is boinking Tarkin, so it's not like we have any real power. It's so weird <sighs> that they were just like, we're not even going to detain you. We're not going to try and do anything. We're just going to be like, ah, yes, that seems fine and not in a intergalactic incident that just started. But I also like the modern murder mystery trope where the book has to give you the details so you can solve the puzzle yourself. Oh, he's drinking from the right hip flask. Oh, finally, he's poured himself a drink from the left hip flask. Oh, he didn't drink it. He threw it at Mon Mothma. What a curious coincidence. I wonder if this will be relevant later. Hmm. Duh. Of course it will. It's Star Wars bullshit. So there you go. That's what's happening. Yep. And of course we have to... End the chapter on a gosh of 3PO getting tangled up in the cactus monster with little hors d'oeuvres all over the place and being like, oh, someone help me, please. While the two kids are just looking out a window like, uh, 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 aren't we precocious? Yeah, exactly. They just have to do some kid shit. And it's just, oh, God, I, I really wish two, two years old is too early to introduce these two characters. It really is. They should have just stayed at fucking Winter's house. Or, you know... I mean, granted, that was stupid, too. Yeah, you're like, oh, man, she's so angry she hasn't seen her kids today. And you're like, yeah, but the ambassador was here for a day. Like, hang out with them tomorrow. Fucking what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, Leia's sense of entitlement more or less precludes her from making an effective ambassador. Ugh. She's so easily offended uh, and so unwilling to swallow her pride for even a second. I mean, she does the same thing in this ep- this ch- series of chapters that she did in the previous series of chapters, where when uh, when Fergan kind of puffs himself up and tries to talk to Mon Mothma as leader to leader, she has a little self-aside where she's like, how dare that puffed up little nobody address the leader of the New Republic as if he's real people. Yeah. And I mean, I you know what? I, if the books did this right, it would be rad. If every time she did that, it was because it was the Vader side. If she was like, oh, I'm a little more Vader than Luke is. Like, between the two of us, I've got a lot more Anakin percolating around my system. So <laughs> sometimes I'm a shithead for no good reason, and i got to work on that. It's a thing about me that I need to fix. Uh, but no. But it's just, that's not what uh, happens. Sometimes I'm a shithead. Why? Eh, you know, bad writing. Whatever. <laughs> for whatever reason, it's fully justified. <sighs> oh, well. There yeah. you go. I There's mean, the I- end of the chapters. That's it. That's all the chapters there are. There ain't no more. Actually, there's several more. 
There are several, yes. <laughs> also, there's more Star Wars content coming because now we got to go do our bonus content. That's right. We've got some stories for you. If you go to patreon.com slash system mastery and you support us at the $2 or more level, why you unlock our expanded expounded universe where we go to Wikipedia and we find some of the weirdest, wackiest stories to bring to you and to each other. That's right. Uh, every time it might have something to do with the book, it might not, but definitely Wikipedia is a massive treasure trove of the stupidest articles you'll ever find. And so we go and we find them to save you the work of doing so. That's right. And we have done so. So if you want to join us over at patreon.com slash system mastery, it's just basically $4 a month. If you pledge at the $2 level and you get four episodes plus two episodes of the System Mastery, and you can go to the $5 level, get a couple more episodes of TV Mastery, you get our Afterthought, where you can learn about Jeff's gross diseases. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's not gross, it's just tragic, and it makes me very brave. It's tragically gross. Mm-hmm, that's tragically gross. <laughs> the Jeff story. It's all mushy in, it's all mushy in there. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, <laughs> in where? Well, $5, and you get to find out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but in the meantime, why not join us at the $2 level to unlock Expanded Expounded Universe, our Wikipedia bonus content. Uh, thank you so much for listening, everybody. We'll see you in a week with yet more exciting Star Wars content, unless we're both dying. But until such time as we have to figure that out, I've been Elan Sleaze Boggiano. And my hair is like the color of molten metal as it drapes down my back to my tight posterior. (laughs) 